Welcome to Sobriety Checkpoint. I'm your host, Felicia Hermley. I'm a 12-stepper turned therapist. I'm married and I have two littles under five. I love Jesus, but have had my fair share of struggling with church culture and religion. I know what it's like to be stuck in a restless, irritable, and discontent rut, drunk and sober. In this podcast, you're going to find solutions to navigating mental health, spirituality, and relationships to experience the peace you've been craving. It's time for that desperately sought-after solo target run. Grab your keys and let's go for a drive. There's no judgment or breathalyzer at this Sobriety Checkpoint. Welcome back to another episode of Sobriety Checkpoint, a podcast about emotional sobriety for parents and recovery. Today, I am honored to have Frank Somerville as a guest on the show to share his experience, strength, and hope. Frank Somerville is a five-time Emmy Award-winning former main anchor for KTVU in the Bay Area. During the course of his career, he witnessed two executions at San Quentin Prison, watched an autopsy, flew with the Blue Angels, and threw up mid-flight, and was embedded with the Alameda County Sheriff's SWAT team during a 48-hour non-stop competition. It was the first and only time they allowed a reporter to cover Urban Shield from the inside. Frank grew up in Berkeley. He was always taught to question authority and to not be afraid to go left, even if everyone else is going right. He has two beautiful daughters, one of whom happens to be adopted and black. And as a result, he sees the world completely different now. Frank is in the gym six times a week. He also plays hockey and has trained in Krav Maga. He loves the Sharks, the 49ers, the Cow Bears, and Formula One racing. And he's most proud of the fact that he hasn't eaten meat, fish, or poultry since he was 12 because he doesn't want to kill animals. Frank also has 577,000 followers on Facebook because he tells interesting stories. KTVU kept telling him he was doing it wrong until they finally realized that doing it differently doesn't make it wrong. That's the Berkeley and him at work. To get started, if you can tell me how long you've been in recovery And what was life like before you were sober? Well, I, as of December 6th, that will be my six-month anniversary, so to speak. Uh, I surrendered on June 6th of this year. I mean, the changes that have happened to me are are just almost indescribable. I never, ever would have believed that I could be like I am today. And and I'm only getting started. I mean, I I know it's going to get better and better over the coming months, the coming years, et cetera. And I'm just so thankful that I have a chance at a second life. What happened with me was, um, as I look back, I realized that I had a lot of childhood trauma that affected me throughout my life. I also have ADD. So um, when when I was younger, what what tends to happen is that people who have ADD and they don't realize it tend to self-medicate. And so... I remember someone gave me some Coke and I thought it was the greatest drug on the planet because it, it not only made me feel invincible and like I could let my guard down, 
and 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 like I didn't have to be afraid anymore to quote unquote be myself. Um, it also calmed me, and, and that's the thing that people don't realize sometimes is why would you give a cokehead um, a speed, or why would you give someone with ADD? I'm sorry, speed, and 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 the reason is is because it it has the reverse effect. It it calms you, and you can you can now focus among other things. But sadly, uh, it just kept. That just kept getting worse. And then when alcohol is tied in with Coke, which a lot of times it is because they just go hand in hand. And and before I knew it, I, I had a real problem. And somehow I survived. Somehow I still did really well with my job. I mean, like look back and I go, I don't know how hell I did that. But I, I did. I You know, we have a way of managing. And I just learned to live with a chaotic lifestyle. And I learned to live on very little sleep. Um, I, you just adapt because Coke and alcohol are your best friends. And I stopped Coke maybe, I don't know, 25 years ago. And, and that was actually easy compared to alcohol. I've never had a relapse one time with Coke. It's just not in my, it's just not in my life. But, but the alcohol kept going. And, and I stopped for a while, but then the, the pandemic hit, the, the marriage stopped, uh, going through separation and divorce, selling the house. And then on top of that, I, from work, I was one of those people who could never leave work at work. And I would take it home with me and I would obsess about it. And I went on my own time to the funerals for seven or eight young black men and women, including a little baby who were all shot and killed in Oakland. And when you go to those things and you see them up front, it's not like you're, it's not like you're now reporting on them. You're actually seeing it. You're feeling it. You're around the people and, and just, they're all open caskets and just the image of this little baby. I mean, 24 months old, maybe if not, if yeah, 24 months old, I think sitting in a little coffin and it just looks like a little beautiful doll. And you see all of the people around her. They all have RIP on their shirts with a picture of the of the child. I didn't realize that that just had a tremendous effect on me. I used to describe it as I'm, I felt like I was living under a pall of sadness. And so I found I took to drinking because that numbed my feelings. And I didn't know how to handle. I wasn't capable of handling at that point my feelings. And, and now I, now I know how to do that. I'm learning how to do that now, but back then, sadly, I didn't. And on top of that, I'll just tell you one other thing. And that is, I just read some excerpts from Matthew Perry's book. And he said um, that he always felt like a, like a, like a fraud. Um, and, and he was, he, what's the word he used? Um, uh, shoot. I can't, I can't think of it now, but just that he felt like a fraud. And because he looked one way, but acted another. And very few people knew his secret. And it was the same with me. No one knew my secret, uh, except my family. And, and consequently, I could never enjoy all of the success that I had. Because I always thought, yeah, but. I mean, yes, I'm very good on the air. Yes, I'm very good at my job. But. And, and uh, yeah, I finally learned... Oh, and then the last thing that he said, I'm sorry, 
in his book was, um, I can now look out of the water and think maybe I wasn't that bad after all. And it gets me emotional, but that's exactly how I feel now is that maybe I wasn't that bad after all. And I, I'm just so glad to be free of that part of me and, and, and how I've just completely transformed my life. It's awesome. Yeah. And thank you for that. I, I completely get that feeling of being a fraud or feeling like an imposter even um, like, you know, this isn't, this isn't where yeah. I belong. Um, you know, I think yeah. that that's a, a common feeling, you know, just not feeling like, like we fit in, you know, and then you mentioned alcohol and cocaine being friends. You know, I, I remember alcohol being like a best friend and I've heard a lot of people in recovery relate to that you know, that that's, you know, their greatest relationship is, is the bottle. So, um, it sounds like you used alcohol to cope with sadness, sadness and the different things that you saw at work. Did that affect your impact, your drinking as well, or wait, say that again, did, did the, the, I... the, just the different things that you reported on, you know, just the things that you were just upfront, you know, the things that you saw, I know that that's a common thing with like first responders, you know, just seeing things that the rest of us just don't see on a regular basis and, and using alcohol to sort of cope with the day to day. It, it totally. Um, yes, I, totally. I remember interviewing a firefighter who was one of the first responders to uh, the ghost ship warehouse fire. And if you're not familiar with that, that was the fire at a warehouse where they were having a party and, They'd, they'd split electricity with the building next to them and, 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 and tried to wire it themselves. And it was just a fire waiting to happen. And sure enough, it happened. And 36 people were killed. And I was just asking that guy how he, how he coped. And he said that, and I just totally related. He said, you know, if you don't deal with things, they just end up in your backpack. They don't go away. They just end up in your backpack and and that pretty soon the backpack gets so heavy that it's weighing you down it's it's affecting everything you do and unless you can deal with those things and in an honest way your backpack's just going to destroy you and i thought wow my backpack's about as filled as it can possibly be but i still didn't get how to how to deal with it how to look at the underlying reasons and i think that's what i'm doing now is what were the things that triggered me what were the underlying reasons for all of this because if you take care of those if you don't take care of those you know, history is just going to repeat itself you go right back to doing what you're doing um but when you learn how to cope and when you when you deal with those things so that they don't longer control you but you control them um, that's where real recovery happens and, and that's what I'm right in the middle of. And, and I, I feel like I'm no longer controlled by my past. I feel like I'm no longer, um, uh, yeah, no longer controlled by my past. But now I control things. And, and, and that's such a, a, a great feeling. I haven't forgiven myself yet for some of the things that I did. But, you know, maybe at some point I will be able to. I just don't feel yet like I deserve that. And, and I'm working on that with my sponsor. So um, we, he, he no longer uses the forgiving word. He changed it to um, make amends. And I'm like, okay, I can live with that. Okay. Making, 
making amends to yourself. Yes, yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think making amends to yourself is about like you're doing it. Living living this new life is is that process of amends, right? Well, I'll tell you. So I replaced drinking with going out uh, with going to the gym. And I go to the gym six times a week, sometimes seven, because I'm so hyper. And in the last six months, six months ago, um, I had trouble walking more than three blocks, walking more than three blocks. Now, I've lost 25 pounds. I've gone from 210 to 185, and I'm all muscle. I mean, it's all muscle. There's a little bit. Yeah, it's just all muscle. I, I look at myself, and I didn't recognize myself in the mirror. And And... That's the physical part of me, which is so important too. Uh, you, I think for recovery, it's important to feel good about yourself, both emotionally and also physically. And I, I mean, I can't. I just I can wear skin tight. Like I like wearing I like wearing tight shirts, and I, 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 I like tank tops. And 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 I I say that I do that, um, and the reason is is because. I can see my work. I can see what I've done. And that makes me proud. And then also emotionally, I'm just a completely different person. When I surrendered, all my I've never, I've never experienced something like this in my life. All my anger went away. Just like just like that. And and I I'm now humble. I I now volunteer to teach kids to read. Um I I, I do things for other people. Uh, and I'm honest with people. I'm not living this big lie anymore. I mean, I have no issue saying, you know what? I was an, I'm an alcoholic and I'm, I always do this. I go, I'm an alcoholic and I'm a cokehead, a major cokehead, not a minor cokehead, major cokehead. And, and I, I feel proud saying that because I couldn't have gotten to this point had it not been for all of that. What I'm sad about is all the people I hurt, all the people I let down, including myself. I mean, I let myself down, um, but but now I'm now I'm climbing a mountain that I always thought I could never climb. I was just used to that's how I always envisioned it was like this big mountain there, and there's no way I could I could climb that mountain, much less get to the other side. And now I feel like I'm climbing that mountain, and I don't know when I'll hit the top. All I know is that I'm climbing, and I'm not turning back. I'm going to continue to climb, and at some point I'm going to hit the top. And then I'm gonna go down the other side and that'll be just, it's all just such a beautiful feeling. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I sound weird even saying that, but it's just, that's the only way to describe it. It's just such a beautiful freaking feeling to be free of the shackles that you've worn for, you know, 50 years. So you mentioned that, you know, when the pandemic hit, it sounds like maybe the drinking accelerated at that time and, and things just started kind of breaking down in your life. What was the turning point for you, you know, to get sober? What was, you know, it sounds like from 2020 to 2023, it's kind of a big, you know, good chunk of time there. And then six months ago, you, you got sober. What was the turning point? The turning point was that, um, so my younger daughter happens to be adopted and black and she, she's never been accepted by my family. And, um, I, my brother came out from New Jersey with his wife and I wanted to, I wanted to talk to all of them about that. And in my family, we just never talk. We always blame the messenger. 
and the messenger is generally me. So I went over there and I was really angry because I tried to text my brother all day long. And I went over there and within 60 seconds, he called the police on me. Now, I will admit I was really angry, but all I wanted to do was talk. And my brother attacked me and um, just completely by surprise. And I was arrested, charged with assault, making terrorist threats. I mean, just ridiculous stuff. And it was then that I realized I don't want this life anymore. It's just it's it's. It's I don't want the chaos and um, and it's not leading me anywhere. And I had no idea that that it would change me that dramatically. But that day I surrendered and it was June 6th. I call it my D-Day. No offense to all of the people who died on D-Day, but it's in my own way. It's my D-Day. And I made that decision that day to surrender. And it's just been moving forward ever since. And I, I look at it, you know, one of the sayings that we have is um, the courage to change the things that you can and the wisdom to know the difference. And that is something I say to myself every day. And it just it just represents everything. All I can do right now is control myself. And I'm doing a great job at that. And in fact, my younger daughter now lives with me. And the reason she lives with me is because she knows she's not going to wake up in the morning and see dad shit faced on the floor or after hitting his head into a, 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 a print and cracking his head. You know, they're not going to see that anymore because I don't do that anymore. And she now trusts me. And, and that trust comes from me working the program, working the steps and having a sponsor and really working my ass off, quite honestly. I've really worked hard and I'm doing everything that they ask me to do and I'm not questioning it anymore. I, I, that's what I did before. It was like, ah, oh, yeah, well, they mentioned God too much and I'm an atheist and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, now what AA does is they say it's not about God. It's about a higher power and a higher power can be anything. And for me, my higher power is my community. That's what keeps me on the straight and narrow. And, and look at the results. My daughter now lives because she trusts me. How awesome is that? Something I never would have imagined happening ever. Yeah, that's beautiful. I was going to ask you about uh, the higher power thing, the, spir- the spiritual part of your of your recovery. You did mention the, the serenity prayer. So I, I was going to ask you about that, about how how does higher power or spirituality play a role in your in your life? Well, so uh, let me just give you a bit of a background. I grew up in Berkeley. Um, my parents never went to church. I never went to church. I only knew one person who went to church. And I remember saying to him, why do you go to church? You're going to miss football. And and he just kind of looked at me, but I'm like, I, I don't get it. And then we'd always have at the Berkeley BART station where I where we would catch our bus to come home or go to school. Um we always had the Rajneeshis, the Hare Krishnas, the Sikhs, the Moonies. They would all hang out there and they'd try to recruit you. And so that was my image of religion. And I just thought these people were freaks. And, and to a certain degree, I still think they are the way they try to recruit you. You literally had to tell them, get the hell away from me. I'm not interested because they would keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And so that's that's what I grew up with. And that's why I could never relate to AA because I always thought, oh, it's all, they're so about God and blah, blah, blah. 
And now I finally realized, you know what? Maybe I'm the idiot. Maybe I'm the one who was too quick to write them off. Maybe there is something to it. And so I don't, and this could change, but right now I don't believe in the traditional God. Um, I don't, I just don't see that, feel that. But what I do feel is a higher power. And again, my higher power is, is, is my community. It's the people I've met through AA. And it's, it's seeing the things that have happened to me, the changes that have happened to me over the last six months as no longer being a coincidence. Because I would always write stuff off as, ah, yeah, yeah, it's just a coincidence. Well, no, you know what? Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm the idiot. Maybe I'm the one who wants to think it's a coincidence because I can't imagine that it would be anything else. And now I'm open to thinking, you know what? Something going on here. And I don't know what it is. And I don't, I don't, again, feel God in the traditional sense, but but I feel a higher power when I'm around my group and, and my friends. That's what that's what I believe is my higher power, at least at the moment. Yeah. No, I love that. I that's one of the things that I love about the rooms. The fact that like everybody, everybody belongs. Come back next week to hear part two of Frank's story, where we will dive into fatherhood, mental health, asking for help, hope, and looking forward to the future. I do have a couple of announcements. I turned down my first sponsorship request. As exciting as it was to receive, it didn't feel relevant. And another reason I turned it down is because commercials suck, not because I couldn't use the money. If you're loving this show and would like to be a financial supporter so that I can continue to provide amazing stories of recovery, please click on the support the show link in the show notes. Lastly, I also wanted to remind you that I'm currently looking for listeners who would like to have a 15 minute Zoom call with me so that I can learn more about you in order to bring you more relevant content that will support your recovery journey. I want to know who you are, what you worry about, and what you wish or hope for. If you're interested in doing this with me, you'll be entered into a drawing to win a $50 Target gift card. Please reach out to me via email or DM. My contact info is in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Before you go, please subscribe and leave a five-star written review. Reviews help boost my ratings, which helps other parents in recovery find my show. If you're interested in emotional sobriety coaching, please reach out and schedule a call. Check out the show notes for my contact info and social links. Don't forget to like, follow, and share with a friend. I'm super excited to know this podcast is helping you. Tune in Thursdays for the latest episode. I'll see you back here on your next Target Run. Until next time. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions. We are stronger than we think we are. So fight and show your strength. Good and grace from our God. Good and grace from our God. Good and grace from our God. Oh, good and grace from our God.